We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. He's my favorite player in the draft. This dude right here, he's going to be one of those guys that I stand on the table If for. I could, I would trade up for this guy. This guy has a beat on an early My Guy stamp. A very merry draft miss to you. Thanks for joining us. This is the KCSN Draft Show. Uh, coming at you a few weeks left until draft miss. Uh, it is April. We are recording this on April Fool's. And I could not think of a better fool to be around than Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. I might not be here for long if I'm throwing these the shade like that. Right. Like what am I like a jester <laughs> now? Like, listen, you know I, I am coming to a town near you on April 28th. Like I, I will put you in a headlock and stuff you into a locker can. No, don't think I won't. Um <laughs> This That's is like also your go-to bully rebuttal. Always, like you're always oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna stuff you in a locker. Oh, in a headlock. I tell my kids I'm gonna put them in a headlock all the time. Like that's just the <laughs> that, that's the move. Headlock into a locker. Um, this is I'm I'm excited. This is my favorite KCSN podcast video we do every week because it's just about the draft, and I like I like what we're doing now. We're working through these positions one by one, looking at guys that you know we like maybe don't like higher on lower on. So this is my favorite show of the week. And we happen to record later on a Friday night. It's just a little bit more relaxed. So this is a fun show to record. And I'm just going to, you know, let the, let the listeners hear behind the curtain a little bit. It's a little freestyle too. It's kind of fun. It's just lets us to kind of get our takes off. And Maddie teased, you know, he's going to throw me into a locker on the 28th. We're going to be at the kingdom bar and grill all draft weekend doing draft content. I think we're going to be live for the entirety of the draft. So uh, you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to come hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. The KCSN draft guide, I believe there's going to be a coupon you're going to be able to get with that, um, I, I, if I remember correctly, too. So, um, yeah, make sure you come hang out uh, at Kingdom Bar and Grill during draft weekend. It's going to be I, – I can't wait. We're going to have so much fun. Uh, and Maddie's going to be there. Craig's going to be there. Uh, Chief Bearcat, the worst kept uh, secret identity in Chief's Twitter. We'll be there. <laughs> You'll be uh, there. So, you, you, they're listening. Yeah. You, you will be yeah. there. Yeah. You're going to be there. Aren't you guys? 
Uh, okay, let's get it. Let's get into this. We're gonna preview the tight end, and the defensive tackle position today, and uh, we'll start with tight end because offense matters and uh, defense uh, doesn't. But when I look at this tight end class, Matthew, I don't see there's. I will be stunned if a guy goes round one. I'll be stunned if there's a round one tight end, and kind of feels like the draft, like the tight end class kind of starts almost in the middle class a little bit. There's no home run, surefire, top edge, top end guy, but there's some quality players and some depth in day two and day three. Yeah, it's it's hard. When you try to think about comparing like this tight end class to tight end classes of the past, usually when you get a strong tight end class, it's coming with the guy at the top of the, you know, you're getting a guy, not necessarily, not a Kyle Pitts that's going in the top 10, but somebody that is getting that first round hype, that top 15, top 20 type hype. That's not the OJ case Howard. this year. Yeah, and that's just not the case this year, but it's still a good, I, I would still classify it as a good tight end class. I just think you're looking at a large handful, like a like a Sky Moore sized hand. That he had the largest hands of any wide receiver at the NFL <laughs> Combine. For those that don't follow as closely to get that joke, um, <laughs> a large handful of tight ends that profile as really good tight end twos, or maybe even low end starting tight end at the NFL level, and that's a that, that makes it a pretty good class in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say this is a bad class. It just doesn't have that you know over overwhelming type uh, of guy that's going to you know just kind of be a clear-cut better player than the rest of them but i think when i look at this draft class for the tight end position i say you know it's going to be very specific to guys like to what teams prefer like i think some guys have unique skill sets different skill sets um and so like i think everybody's tight end one's probably going to be all over the board there's a few guys in play that probably are going to be tight end one for some of these people um Tight end one for the KCSN draft guide is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. And we can talk about him in a minute. But I know that your tight end one might be a little bit. Or is Trey McBride your tight end one? I, I'm looking at your grades. Like, I know, like, he I is. know there's one that you love that's your, like, no, no. A my guy for you. And I, Let's it go. looks like Trey McBride is tight end one. Okay. Let's go with Trey McBride. We'll start there because he is tight end one. And uh, this is how you know, like, the system or the process is true. Like, he's not my favorite tight end. If I was up on the clock, I would probably fudge my grade just a little bit if I was a GM and take the other guy because I like him better and I like his fit maybe a little better or the upside. But when the grade shook out, Trey McBride edged out the next guy we'll talk about after this by like half a point. So it was very close. Um, Trey McBride out of Colorado State, very sound football player. I think that's the hard part with him, and this is why I really struggled to fall in love with him, was even though he's a good route runner, great hands, quality blocker, you know, he does everything well, but I don't know what he does great. Like, I don't see one thing that you can hang your hat on and say, okay, you are going to be my starting tight end and we are going to really excel through blank because he's not a dominant blocker. He's not athletic enough. I think he tested pretty well, but when you watch him on the field, guys are kind of glued on him and he just wins by boxing them out and making a catch. It's not really stressing the defense vertically. So I just have a hard time seeing where he goes from a starting caliber tight end a okay starting caliber tight end to a really good one but since he has no weakness i think that's what eked him out that tight end one spot for me yeah and i mean like i, I know what you're saying like maybe doesn't have the trump card maybe has doesn't have the dominant trait but man there's something to be said about kind of being a well-rounded player and yeah maybe he's not this guy that's gonna you know you're gonna find a way in area of the field that he's just gonna completely dominate in necessarily but i think having a guy with the versatility to be able to do a lot of things 
Um, you know, he can run up the scene. He's got some ability as a route runner. He's a dense, powerful guy. He's tough after the catch. Um, strong hands. You know, I, I, I get, you know, like there's, there, there's something to be said about having just being a well-rounded player. And I like him. I like him a decent amount. He, I believe I'm, I think he ran a four, five, four at his, uh, pro day. So, uh, that's faster than the guy we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, and I think weight wise, they're pretty close. If I remember correctly as well, I will, I know we're teasing this guy. I know that you love him and it's Greg Dolchitz out of UCLA. Here's a teaser. This is one of, uh, Maddie's my guys for this class. And I get it. You know, you, you talk about, uh, a trump card i think he does have it yeah and i was surprised that um trey mcbride ran faster uh it's a combine versus a pro day if i remember correctly so who knows what it means yeah. but you can just watch you know ucla play and greg dulcich he is that vertical seam stretcher he, he's probably the best tight end besides maybe jelani woods at run the seam in this draft class and he does it differently than woods like we'll get to him i'm sure later because we both really like him too but dulcich is that he's nimble He's athletic. He's fluid. He played wide receiver in high school and coming to UCLA. And you see all those traits. You know, he knows how to run a route. He's really good at attacking leverage, even as a tight end when he's working up the seam or over the middle of the field on, you know, streaks, crossers, all that kind of stuff. But then you see the soft hands. And then UCLA, you know, Chip Kelly's known for this up-tempo spread out stuff. He put him in line a lot and let him battle. And I'm not saying he's the best blocker that you're going to come across, but for a guy that is very clearly a receiving tight end, probably I think the most skilled receiving tight end in this class, he's willing to fight as an inline blocker. And I think that that's important to go. I mean, when you're looking at the projection to the NFL. I like it more as a blocker than some people do too. I think like I, 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 I think he's capable. I, and I, you know, I, yeah, maybe he's not a true why, but like I don't I don't think I think you can get away with him him playing in line in some situations for sure. Like I have no doubt about that. But yeah, you talk about, you know, his ability with the ball in the air, tracking the football. Um, you know, being able to catch over his shoulder. I think he's light on his feet, nimble, uh fluid uh for for a tight end. Um and yeah, I think there's some advancement as a route runner. So there's a lot to like about Greg Dolchich. And is it Dolchich or Dolchich? Do we know? No, you're muted. I don't. Buddy. I I I don't know. Uh, I I like to call him Greg Dulcich. Um, but it could go any one of ways. I should probably listen to a broadcast of it once, uh, once or twice. But yeah, I, I'm with you in terms of the blocking and everything. Um, now I got a question for you though, because we got one more guy I think that most frequently is seen at the top. Um, where does where does Jeremy Ruckert kind of stack in for you into this group of tight ends at the top? So uh, I. I think he's kind of up there and it's a bummer that he's had the injury recently. That's kind of, kind of hurting his pre-draft process, but I've been a pretty big fan of Rucker. Um, I want to say he's kind of a little, I think he's a little bit between the, the two of the guys outrunner. I think he's a good seam runner. I think he's probably a little bit better of a blocker than Dolchich, but not as good of a broad blocker as Trey McBride. Um, I know you guys don't really like Rucker as a blocker, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, it's hard because he body bagged George Karloftis, and then you come I back think, and you see a linebacker yeah. put him in the dirt. So it's just it was hard for me. It was inconsistent. I don't think he necessarily has a trump card, but I do think that his physicality at the catch point is a very valuable asset, and I think he is a guy that can do a lot of good things in the red zone for a team. And so I like him. I like him kind of in that same cluster, but all three I like of them for different reasons. Where are you at with them? 
Yeah, I'm in a similar spot. I thought I remember the highlights of Jeremy Rucker from last year, from the 2020 season, and Justin I thought he was going to. Yeah, and I thought he was going to build on it, and he didn't. And I know that's not his fault. That's part of the Ryan Day offensive experience and all that, not using the tight end. But you just, at some point in time, you do need to start seeing those steps. And it's not like he was completely misused, and then you know he would flash elite traits every game or something like that. It was just few and far between. And then you kind of hinted at it. I I thought his technique for blocking. It was a little out there. It was a little wild. Um, He would be out over his toes. He would lunge a lot. And sometimes it paid off and looked great. And he collected pancakes. And other times he had big whiffs. So, like, if I am going to fall back on you as a blocker to kind of lead you into the tight end class, then you got to be really good at it. And that's how I, we don't need to spend a lot of time on him. But Kate Otten out of Washington is another guy some people love. You want to tell, there's your tight end. If you want a, a blocker or a tight end that's going to build his NFL career and his blocking, Kate Otten out of Washington. And he's not the biggest guy, but man, he comes out there and throws hands. That's the kind of guy that I anticipated seeing when I was watching Jeremy Rucker. And so I kind of have those two flipped from where I thought coming into the season. Okay, so here's my question to you. We we have all these guys relatively close. And Maddie, I mean, you've got them within uh, a point, 1.75 points on our 100-point scale, uh, the, the four that you just talked about. Now, this is where I think it's going to be interesting. Is the what's the earliest you're willing to take one of these players? Earliest Six, pick and it, 62. Is it a specific, 62 is the earliest you're willing to take any of these? Yes, because is like you 60, said, I have them all separated by 1.75 right. points. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the first one at 50. This I like the best. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. This Sorry. is, yeah. Well, that, and that's what I was kind of curious about is because, like, are, is it just across the board? 62 i'm happy with any four of these guys at 62 are you happy with all four of them at 62 uh no i would rucker i would definitely prefer to wait and catch as a great value especially you know because we don't know the athletic testing yeah and then you're dealing with the injury stuff so he preferably i would like to catch kind of later on Dulcich would be my first choice, but I'm completely happy with Trey McBride at 62. And you know what? I, I really think you could do some stuff with Kate Otten. So if he's your guy, I mean, he's got an injury too that you've got to flush out. He hasn't got to test it either. But like either one of those three at 62, I'm fine. Rucker, I would like to catch a little bit of a deal on, I think, later. All right. So our big board, just so you know, we have Trey McBride sitting at the top of the class at pick 52. Rucker at pick 50, or at fit, not pick 52, at position in the top 300 52 for trey mcbride 53 for jeremy rucker so they're right up against each other even in the top 300 55 for kate kate otten so there's kind of a cluster there you know the only guy in between them is kenneth walker which by the way you should buy the kcsn draft guide the links in the bio uh that would be wonderful greg dolchich dolchich uh pick 78 there's a little bit of gap there but you kind of see that that's that cluster there for us um i agree like 62, I'd feel good. I like Cade. I liked Cade Otten more than I than I thought I would. I think I like the guys we talked about better than him. He's the uh, least exciting. Like besides Rucker, he's he definitely least the exciting, least exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, he's. I think he's the more. He's more of the master of none than any of them. And I think there's a little bit of that with all of these guys, except for Dolchich. Um, tight end five. Oh, did you have something else you want to talk about these four? No, no, you I think you're, you're jumping in. 
I think you're going to the right spots. I think there's one more guy that we have to talk about. It's kind of on an island by himself before we can start grouping people together. So I think you were going the sure. right way. So continue. Yeah, I just you know Jelani Woods is you know out of uh, out of Virginia, started his career at Oklahoma State, massive human, and he played at the East West Shrine Bowl. Stood out there. People really impressed by him. Turned heads there. Um, probably, you know, I, I think he helped himself immensely. We actually got, you know, if you've listened to some of the KCSN draft show podcasts that we've done, we've, we've played our interview with him. We might even have some more stuff coming up on him later, but, um, a great story, uh, a great guy and a really good football player with a fascinating, tantalizing athletic profile, Matthew. No, absolutely. And, um, here's the, here's the fun part about Johnny Woods. In our in the rendition of the draft guide that is out there, I could not get my final Jelani Woods grade in there because I was waiting on some athletic testing. And so if I put that in there though, you can insert one more player, Jelani Woods, into my same group of tight ends that are all within 1.75 points of each other. It's like he graded out very similar to the rest of these other guys for me. And that's that's why I kind of wanted to say he stands on his own. So I think it's a lot more potential coming in at six foot seven, 255 pounds. Like there's clearly stuff he cannot do. You're not going to ask him to run a drag route. He can't run the Patton and Travis Kelsey whip route that these other guys have the chance to run some level up. He can't do it, but boy, you want to send somebody down the seam and just have him win a jump ball. You want to have a guy go run a fade into the end zone. He's your dude for it. And he's a very competitive blocker for a guy, his size. He can get, he looks funny in a three point stance, but he can come out of it and block. So like, I think he very much deserves to kind of be in this, what I'm going to call the second tier of tight ends. And honestly, Rucker and him are probably my second tier of tight ends by themselves. I would separate them from the other three. So like, I just wanted to make sure we talked on him before we kind of moved on to these other group of guys. So do you have anything else for Woods? Yeah, I love him. <laughs> I mean, he's he, you talk to him for a little bit and you kind of understand a little bit better about him too. It's like, this is a former quarterback. So he's got a little bit of that experience. And I think some of that does actually translate a little bit with his understanding of concepts at times, um, understanding of, you know, catching the ball away from his frame, keeping it high, keeping it away from, from uh, defenders, um, physical problem. And, you know, he's an absolute problem for second and third level defenders. He's willing to be physical, try to, you know, initiate contact. It's a little bit tricky because like, it's hard to play with leverage with the kind of length and size he has. And he's kind of leggy. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like, that's just, I mean, that's part of the, you know, his issues being able to, you know, kind of run a full route tree. And yeah, you can run up a seam. I think he can snap a single break off decently too. Like, I don't think you can double move, but like, I think he can snap some single moves off. Um, but yeah, you're not sending him on a ton of, of in breaking routes necessarily. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's some moments where he can do it as well, but I really like him. Um, go back and listen to one of the previous shows. You can hear our interview with him as well. Uh, he's a, he's a fun kid. Uh, do you have, did you have any other tight ends that you really want to focus on before we, uh, move on to the defensive, uh, tackle position? Yeah. And we can be a little bit quicker through these next couple guys, but, um, two guys that I think were a little bit, oh, actually, no, let's go this one guy. I think we're lower on than a lot of other people is Isaiah likely. Uh, tied in mm -hmm. out of Coastal Carolina. I think he's a lot of people's tight end one. And I just, he's not in that realm for me. Uh, I get the athleticism. I get what he can do after the catch. But when I watch him, I can't help but get a very heavy sense of like um, a discount version of Brevin Jordan. 
last year, just not big enough to really be an inline blocker. He'll try, but just not big enough, not strong enough to do it. You can clearly see there's functional athleticism and space to be a good route runner, but it just doesn't look natural. It looks like he's having to think about how to run the route correctly and it slows him down. It's led to a lot of more concentration drops than you want out of a tight end. That's usually supposed to be a sure-handed guy. Just Isaiah likely, I think, is a little farther down in the KCSN draft guy than you might see him in a lot of other places. And then the last guy, Jalen Weidermeyer, <laughs> Texas A&M. Pour one poor, out. Poor guy. Not only was his film worse in 2022, um, but his athletic testing was abysmal. Like, his athletic testing isn't draftable. So, like, he's still going to end up with a draftable grade because I don't think his athletic testing was able to make it into the KCSN right. draft guide. But it is – he's an undraftable player based on how unathletic he is at the tight end position and given the film was deteriorating the longer he was in college. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame because I, I liked him a little bit, but his athletic he he, uh, he had a two six five relative athletic score out of ten. Um, it's a below average average NFL athlete, very below average NFL athlete, very disappointing. Um, oh wow! So uh, it's actually worse. Uh, his <laughs> athlete, it's actually a one point oh six. I thought uh, because, it was lower than that. <laughs> yeah, it's even worse. It's even worse. It's the forty time measured. Yeah, the forty time was a five oh two. You can't play Maddie. tight end in the NFL. A pro day five oh two. You can't play tight end at the NFL with a five second I forty. I didn't think he was a burner, but I thought he got up the up the seam decently. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's problematic. Um, okay, yeah. Anybody else? I think Chigo Conquo, Chigozimo Conquo from Maryland is another Shrine Bowl guy. He's more of another move type tight end. Like you know, if you miss out on Isaiah, likely here's another move type and. This guy, I think, has a little bit more chops uh, or promise as a blocker, I think, actually, too. And there might be a little bit more versatility to what you can do with him than than a uh, than an Isaiah Likely. So um, I think that might have wound up getting a, uh, a my guy from Jake Stack as well, if I remember correctly. So um, is there anybody else you wanted to touch on on the tight end position, Maddie? No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there for a, a day three sleeper. Um, you know, somebody like, you know, Austin Allen out of Nebraska, just unique body type. Like, and I'm always okay in the draft if you're going to go ahead and go with unique body types. Like, I think that's what you should look for on the day three if you're looking to hunt guys down. So Austin Allen, tight end out of Nebraska, and he's just, he's so tall. He moves pretty well, but I mean, like he measured at six foot seven and I think it's about six foot seven and a half, 250 pounds. And here's a guy that was still able to run a four, eight, three at that size. It's just, it's different than what you normally see. We're looking at Jelani Woods territory and he moves in a similar way. So just, if you don't get Jelani Woods, you want to find that red zone seam runner with some size. He's a guy that I think is worth taking a swing on late on day three. Let's go ahead and move to the defensive tackles, uh, a process, uh, a position that the Chiefs could be looking at. It's going to be fascinating to me, Mattias, overarching. I'm very interested in where they take an interior defensive line. They got 12 picks. I'm sure they're not going to make 12 picks, but they make eight. I'm betting interior defensive linemen is one of them. But overarching before we get into this too far, like I'm interested where the defensive tackle is taken. I don't know if that's as interesting to you as it is for me. So for the, are you saying for the Chiefs or just the draft? For the Chiefs, the yeah, okay. for the Chiefs. So historically, Brett Veach has been really good about drafting for the future. The Chiefs, the way it currently stands, Chris Jones has two years left on his contract. But I mean, would, is he going to play on the same contract for the Chiefs next year? No. Yes or no? No. There's no way. No. It's either going to be a restructure 
and he's here forever, or the Chiefs are going to try to move him. I mean, like, and you're getting to the point where he's going to be 29. Aaron Donald's about to get paid. You're going to be paying Chris Jones a whole lot of money, and that's fine. But Brett Veach also doesn't like to pay guys at that age. So we will see how that goes. But then you're looking at, are you replacing just Derek Nottie next year? Are you replacing Nottie and Chris Jones? If that's the case, should you start looking to do it this year? And which one are you looking to do? Are you looking for your nose tackle? Or are you looking for a three-tech? And I think that conundrum right there is really depending on what position or where they're going to come off the board for the Chiefs. Yeah, this uh, I'm fascinated. Like you talk about more of a penetrating, pass rushing type interior defensive lineman, and my mind just never goes there. Whenever I'm thinking about that, but like you're thinking about replacing, you know, for the future, and I, I, I still like I maybe it's just because there's so many other issues that this football team has. Like the idea of replacing Chris Jones right now potentially for you know what happens or whatever. Like even just that thought right now is just it's wild to me because like I'm looking okay they got edge they got wide receiver they got cornerback. Uh, probably could use a right tackle. You know, like it, it's hard to fit in, in there. Yeah, and yeah. People, it's hard to fit in, and people don't like hearing the concept that they can do it. I'm not saying that they will or they should. It's just Brett Veach doesn't pay 29 year old guys top end money. Chris Jones is going to be 29 years old when the 2023 season starts. He's going to be due to either pay play on a 27 million dollar cap hit next year, or the Chiefs are going to move have to find a way to move on from him. And I believe it's ve- relatively easy for them to do so in terms of dead money. So just I would be surprised if he's not on the move or signing a new contract with the Chiefs next year. You have to lean towards on the move given Brett Veach's you know tactics in the past. Not saying it will happen, but and then that means going back to this draft. Are the Chiefs now interested in Devontae Wyatt? Are they interested in Logan Hall, Perrion Winfrey, some of the top tier, you know, good pass rushers on the interior? It's fascinating. And I, I've been dismissive of the idea, but like if you're looking for value to fall for some of these guys, that could be the case. Now, there's also some true, you know, one tech type players here as well uh that are pretty fascinating as well you want to start with the interior you want to start with the three tech types you want to start with the the more penetrating pass rushes you want to start with the top of the class with the massive human that is jordan davis we we can do jordan davis we'll start with we'll start with the nose tackles the big guys okay i'm going to ask a philosophical question to you that we have talked about that people have sent us mock drafts for the chiefs trade up to pick 15 because jordan davis is on the board the the interior defensive lineman out of Georgia, massive human set like he would be a freak athlete at the tight end position if they according to Math Bomb and relative athletic score like he's like an eight point four interior uh, for a tight end like just a freak. The Chiefs take Jordan Davis. They trade up for Jordan Davis. How do you feel? I'm so torn on this one. Um. Craig Stout and I, when we first started even talking about the concept, this is pre-combine. So we were talking about Jordan Davis maybe falling towards the, you know, back into the first round that she's to be able to get him. Guys that test even close to as athletic as he was go in the top 15 of the NFL draft. And guess what? They don't miss. They, they're rarely bad. Now, you could argue if, you know, uh, Tolinata was worth a top 10 pick, if Vita Vey is worth a top not. 10 pick, um, BJ Raji. All these guys, you could argue whether or not you think those guys were worth a top 10 pick or not, but here's the thing. They didn't fail. They weren't busts. Like when you're that big and that athletic, you simply just don't not work in the NFL. So it's a, it's, I see it as a relatively safe pick. My holdup is for the Chiefs specifically, you're giving up two relatively early picks to go draft a guy to play 40% of the snaps probably. 
and you don't have the bodies, the talent around him to maximize what he does. He's out there to make other guys better, but how much better are you going to make the rest of this roster as a pass rushers if you don't have bodies? Like you got to get talent around him to maximize what he does. I feel like drafting Jordan Davis for the Chiefs might kind of just be falling on deaf ears because they don't have the talent to take advantage of what he's doing in the middle. And that's what's fascinating. It's it makes you wonder how much like okay, so who who's drafting someone freak athlete, good football player for only 40% of the snaps though, period. And like that like is a 40% of the snap production player a luxury pick for everybody? And that's like the I think that's one of the questions teams are probably asking about Jordan Davis right now is like they look at some of the the snap counts that he's had at this point. His most productive years were with a lower snap count. So do you just live with the fact that you're living with a guy that's going to give you 35, 40% of the snaps? He's going to be productive in those. Or do you is, does that weigh too heavily on Jordan Davis's value in this draft? Tell you what, if I'm the Raiders and he's sitting there and I can plug in Jordan Davis or go get Jordan Davis to play with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside, I, I'm doing that in a heartbeat because those are two guys. The Raiders guys don't have any picks though. Okay, if you were to do the Chargers, I know they even signed up. Um, Chargers is the one I'm looking at. The Eagles would make sense to me with Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat on the outside. And then whether it's Fletcher Cox or um, Javon Hargrave, they just, they have the talent to pair with Jordan Davis. So when Jordan Davis is eating up a double team, when he's taking on two blockers, they have the talent around him to really take advantage. I don't think the Chiefs do. Outside of Chris Jones, who are you like, oh, yes, we got to get that guy a one-on-one. It doesn't exist. And right. if Jordan Davis is stopped on the 40% of snaps he plays by two blockers and everybody else is stopped by their one blocker or they also double Chris Jones, who else is making them pay for the Chiefs? That's where my holdup is right now. I don't think his impact would be fully felt on the Chiefs. Philly makes a lot of sense, especially if they with their three first-round picks. Well, if you don't get Jordan Davis in round one, Maybe you go for Travis Jones out of UConn, and maybe it's even at the end of round one because Travis Jones is one of the few players that has he. There's not very many players that have helped themselves more in the pre-draft process than Travis Jones out of UConn, Maddie. Absolutely, and yeah, he he's not as dominant as Jordan Davis, but you know he's up there. If there's no Jordan Davis, Travis Jones is getting a lot more round one hype. I would say his hand usage is maybe even more technical than Jordan Davis. So it gives him a little bit better of a pass rush on day one. He's coming from UConn. So there's going to be a level of step up in competition. There's some issues with identifying blocking concepts that Jordan Davis is excellent at that Travis Jones isn't as good at. Like there's a reason besides just the athleticism, he's not as good of a prospect, but I think he's going to give you more snaps on day one. I think he's probably a better pass rusher on day one. So like, I'm not upset at anybody that's considering Travis Jones at the end of round one. I would, in an ideal world, if I'm the Chiefs, love to get him at pick 50. Don't know if he'll be there, but like I feel great picking him at 50. I'm okay, but maybe slightly hesitant at 30 because at 29 or 30, just because same thing. It is still a nose tackle. You're playing half the snaps, roughly. How much is that team? Is he going to make the whole team better right now for the Chiefs, who just seem to? Again, lack talent along the defensive line. Very spagsy from a like a, a a measurables perspective. Maybe not the athleticism entirely, although I'm sure he's not going to turn his nose at that either. But there is a little bit of pass rush juice. There's some ability against the run. Big, physical, powerful, long arms too. Um, he's a he's a he's a very intriguing product. So, do you want to talk about you? You talk about Devonte Wyatt, Demarvin Leal, Logan Hall. Um, these guys all, I believe, got second-round grades from you, Maddie. 
uh, you can just 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 give us a rundown on all three real quick and, and what you like about them. Yeah, well, the, so now we're kind of looking at the three techs. Now, I'd say Devontae Wyatt's kind of like the hybrid. I think he's a little one and three tech. You could play him at whichever. He might even be yeah. better if you play him as a one tech. He, he might be Javon Hargrave light where he can play three tech in certain packages, but you're probably best off playing him as a penetrating nose tackle because I don't know if he's on a real field, on the real game. I don't know if he's a true three tech, but then you follow that up with DeMarvin Leal, uh, Logan Hall, and I'm going to throw Perry on Winfrey in there. Like that's kind of your four guys that I think are your best penetrating pass rushers at the position. And the one guy I'm going to focus on, he actually has the lowest grade of the bunch, and that's Perry on Winfrey out of Oklahoma. I think his ceiling might be the highest. He's just so explosive. And when he throws his hands, he throws them with violence. And then you're wondering, okay, well, how come, Matt, how come he's graded in the third round and all these other guys in the second round? I'm like, well, because, I mean, listen to him talk. Alex Grinch and that Oklahoma Sooners defense, all they did was slant and stunt and slant and stunt. And like, he never really got an opportunity to rush the passer in a one-on-one opportunity. But where he did, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, he got out there one-on-ones. He was dominating guys left and right. And like, you can just see the potential. He's got the length, the size, the explosion. Like, I just think he has the most untapped potential of all these guys. And then on the flip side, DeMarvin Leal, it, I think I can just, I'm okay. Just not, he can be an off my board. If I was running, he's just an off my board. No, thanks. Yeah. Somebody else. Can yeah. I, that, I was kind of curious. Um, um, He's just, yeah, I'm, he's just there. I mean, he's good prospect, but yeah. The interesting Perry on Winfrey, I believe, is the lightest of all of those guys. I think he came in the lightest of all those guys. Logan Hall would have been the second lightest, but I think Perry on Winfrey, um, he's long, lengthy, but he's you know he, he measured two ninety at the NFL Combine, uh, and so I, I want I can't remember what he I want to remember what he played in at the Senior Bowl too. What did he play at the Senior Bowl? Because I think he's even a little bit lighter than that, wasn't it? No, I, I would imagine it's higher. I, I would say Logan Hall was probably in the 280s at the combine, I guess. Because um, Logan Hall was interesting. I wish he would try to, I wish Logan Hall would try to go play the end, but he has come out and said he wants to be a three tech. So I thought he kind of beefed up to play three or to play interior a little bit more, though. I think he came in at the 280s again, and but it was still like, okay, but he's he's come out and said since the combine that he wants to play three tech. So fine. Like, I'm not going to say don't do what you want to do. He was oh, you're right. He did that, come at 283. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, you're good. So I was just intrigued what Logan Hall did. Another guy with not as long of arms, but he's a very tall player at like 6'6", really good with his hands, disruptive on the interior. Same thing with Winfrey. I, I mean, we could briefly touch into Marvin Leal. Um, I don't know where you play him. He's not a particularly good athlete. He can't really play against the run on the interior, and he can't really rush the passer from the outside. Does this sound familiar? I know I just compared you know, George Karloff, this to Breland speaks last week on the lab podcast, but I mean, DeMarvin Leal, not in terms of his athletic profile or how he plays just in where you use him. He seems a lot like Breland speaks to me. He can't He's play bigger, the run on the interior. Yeah. Can't rush on the outside. It's just, what do you do with that at the NFL level? What's he good enough at? And then out of all these guys to run the slowest 40 and be the least explosive. Nah, it's kind of a weird group. I mean, there are, there's some weird group, weird players at the top of that group. Um, there's uh, another interior defensive lineman that we had the pleasure of talking to at uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl, Thomas Booker, out of Stanford. Here's our interview with him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we are here with Thomas Booker, defensive lineman from Stanford. My man, I appreciate you coming in. Spend a little bit of time with us. So uh, thank you for, for just jumping in here. Absolutely. All right, so here's the deal. Um, you know, you're out in the Pac-12. You, you've played a lot of really quality talent. Um, you've got a lot of quality talent on your team for sure. So I just want to know, who's the toughest opponent that you had to line up against at Stanford? Um, I'd say Panay Sewell uh, from Oregon. You know, very big guy, but extremely light feet. Um, and those dudes are always hard to deal with, you know, so I'd say him. All right, so what made you ultimately decide uh, to go to Stanford? Who, you know, who are the other people that you were kind of considering or other schools that you're considering going with? Yeah, so for me, um, I went to a high school where, you know, academics and athletics were very, uh, very important, both of them. Um, so I didn't want to compromise in the, the spot that I chose to go to college. So I wanted to go to the best football school with the best academic experience. So that was a short list of schools. You had Stanford, uh, Notre Dame, Duke, Virginia, those types of schools. Um, and for me, it came down to Stanford and Notre Dame. Um, I'm super interested in technology as well, so Silicon Valley was a was an easy oop for me, so I uh, I picked Stanford. You know, there's always a lot of talk about Coach Shaw being a candidate for some of these NFL, um, you know, coaching positions. He's been a name in you know the last decade, feels like. Um, you know, how do you think Coach Shaw has prepared you for this next step going from college to the NFL? I think he's absolutely prepared me for it. Um, Stanford, we obviously run a, a pretty complex defense. Um, you got to be really cerebral to be able to succeed in that defense. So I think that it lends pretty well to, you know, whatever future system I'm going to. Um, and just in general, uh, he's a guy that empowers his players to ask questions, figure out why the defense works the way it does. Um, so you end up, you know, having help when you go into actual NFL meeting rooms um, and, you know, he here this week it's been helpful um so yeah i think i definitely was prepared very very well by uh, stanford and coach shaw specifically okay so you know what what are you working on as you're kind of building into the draft process what are the things that you're really focusing on uh as you're trying to get the attention of teams what are the things that and then what's i guess what's the feedback too that you may be hearing from nfl teams on what they want to see from you through the process yeah i think for me um big thing is like uh, transitioning from run to pass so in those play action downs those in between downs those third and fours third and fives being able to go from being in the middle of a blocker to finding an edge and being able to make an impact and impact the quarterback. Uh, that's a big thing I've been working on. But uh, but yeah, that's that's most of the feedback that I've been hearing. And obviously, you know, you can always be uh, more physical and everything like that. So those are things that I try to make stalwarts in my game. So I'm trying to improve those things as the process goes along. 
Okay, so what's draft weekend going to mean for you? I mean, this you know, obviously you've been working your whole life to, to achieve something like this. What is what is it going to mean uh, to hear your name called on draft weekend? Honestly, that's one of those things where like I couldn't really even put into words. Um, there's been so many you know moments of blood, sweat, and tears um, in college, in high school, middle school, all that sort of stuff. And you know my family's been through been through it with me uh, for all of it. So that's just a, an immense accomplishment that I will be extremely fortunate to have um, if that does happen. So that's what I'm working my ass off for right now. So uh, did you have an NFL team growing up? Was there someone that you followed closely? Yeah, so uh, for me, I'm, I'm originally from Ellicott City, Maryland, but uh, I went to, to school in Baltimore for, for 12 or 13 years. So natural allegiance is to the Ravens. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson, all those dudes. <laughs> so uh, is there any Ravens that you've emulated your game after? Is anybody you've watched closely over the course of your life? Is there any, any impact on your game? Yeah, I think in general, like tenacity and just, you know, grittiness. Obviously, some names come up like Ray Lewis. Um, and just in terms of like cerebral, uh, you think of Ed Reed, you know, you hear guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you know, write down fine 20 on every play uh, just because the way he played the game and the way he approached it. Currently, uh, guys that are playing for them right now, like Calais Campbell, um, he's a guy that I, I look towards for sure. Just again, because of his versatility to be able to play inside a three technique or, you know, split out a five technique and be able to make a difference to the pass in the run game. Okay, let's say that uh, the Chiefs call your name, the Kansas City Chiefs call your name. What would that be like to step in an opportunity like that? It's such a wonderful organization. You know, you look at them uh, year in and year out and have an extreme amounts of success. I think uh, four straight AFC championships hosted. Um, and obviously you guys look at you, you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes, uh, Chris Jones, um, all these guys that are difference makers on both sides of the ball. Uh, and it would be an honor to be to be drafted into an organization like that that obviously knows exactly what they want to do. Yeah, but man, what if you have to sack Lamar Jackson? Like what? I mean, what's I mean, how are you going to feel about that? You know, it's a conflict of interest, but I think I'll figure that out when I get to him. <laughs> Thomas could not appreciate your time enough. Thank you and good luck without this throughout this process, my man. Appreciate listening to Thomas Booker and hearing from him. It was it was really great to talk to him. Um and uh you know, Maddie, I well, one of the things that we were saying before the show Thomas Booker, he carried that 300 pounds well. Like it was a surprise. Like I, you, you didn't, you didn't feel like he was a 300 pound human, but he had a pretty solid East-West Shrine Bowl as well. He did. It, so the interesting thing with Booker is he played defensive end at Stanford uh, two years ago. Then kind of kicked inside to play D tackle, and then it kind of went from like a D and D tackle to a nose tackle. Like so, he's just kind of played all over the place. But you look at him; he doesn't look like he weighs 300 pounds. He has the good Shrine Bowl game or week of practice. Then he goes to the combine and at 300 pounds, runs a sub five second 40, comes out and jumps, you know, a nine foot plus broad jump, has a three cone at 733 for 300 pounds. That's phenomenal. Like he came out and tested extremely well athletically. And then you can tell from, you know, that interview, highly cerebral player thinks a lot about the game, how it's going to work and everything like that. So he starts checking a lot of boxes when you go down the list. It's just a matter of where are you going to play him? When you don't wear 300 pounds well, that means you're probably not a nose tackle. You're not a true run stuffer on the middle because you just don't take up a ton of physical space. And I don't know if his pass rush game is elite to make me think he's a three tech, but the big thing there is you could also see him as an ascending player because he's only really played D tackle for two years. And one of those was the Pac-12 shortened COVID season. So like you might have a lot of ceiling there with him. And I think the athletic profile and the IQ gives you a reason to think that. Okay, so there are some other bigger 
kind of run stuffing interior defensive lineman. And we've actually spent a lot of time talking about him. We've talked about Marquand McCall a little bit. We've talked about uh, John Ridgeway a little bit. Um, Noah Ellis, another guy out of Idaho, another big, massive human. Um, Otito Ogbanya, another pretty good uh, kind of run stuffing type. Like this might be the pocket the Chiefs might play in along the interior uh, to try to, to try to find a guy that can kind of play the run on early downs. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good area to do it. I mean, I would throw Jaden Peavy's name in there too out of Texas A&M. He didn't test athletically near as well as some of these other guys, but uh, he has super long arms and he reminds me, he plays similarly to how Derek Nadi plays in uh, nose tackle. Uh, another guy, Chris Hinton out of Michigan. He actually just missed the write-ups for the KCSN draft guide. So you won't get a scouting report on him, but like, I can tell you right now, if you want to find a guy that's really good at extending blockers off of him and simply just looking for the ball, sh- shedding his blocker and then chasing it down, Hinton's a guy that you're going to like. And if you're just looking for a nose tackle to stop the run, that's all you're asking them to do. So he's another guy that I think could see his name somewhere on that day three range, just because of how he can play the run. Like, this seems to be the perfect spot for me, in my opinion, to get the run stuffer on the other side. I don't, I mean, is there anybody as a pass rusher that strikes any kind of interest out of you from day three? Like, is there any upside that you see there? Not a ton. I mean, I think the the, the day three range is kind of with a lot of guys stacked that are, that are more of those run stuffer types. And I don't, I'm, I can't say I hate the idea of it. Um, I can't say the I hate the idea of that kind of being where they look to to try to address that position too. Like, are there any inter- are there pass rushers that you like? Um, I don't think so. Um, Derek Tangelo or Tangelo out of Penn State, I think flashed some fun hands at the Shrine Bowl weeks, and you go and watch him at his his film at Penn State. There is some stuff to like with his hands; they are very quick. It's just he seems to struggle to get his body to follow through with that. Um. And besides that, it's just a bunch of guys that kind of win through their size and their sheer strength. And that's just going to result in you kind of being a pocket pusher. And you never know how well that's going to translate to the NFL level. So I think if you're looking for a pass rushing to tackle, you better do it on day two of the NFL draft. Because once you get to day three, I, I don't know if you see that many athletic profiles that just have the ability to do that at the next level. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I it's uh, that's why it's going to be interesting. It's another wrench to throw into the into the draft. I don't think that they're going to go grab a pass rushing interior defensive lineman, which is I think they'll sit pat. I think day three is a place that you could see them go grab a run stuffer. And some of these guys that we've kind of talked about, they might be around in that range uh, that we you know is kind of just profiled. So that is going to do it for the KCSN draft show. Thank you so much for listening, reading. Please, if you would like to buy the draft guide, go to KCSN or go to gumroad.com. No, go to draftguide.gumroad.com. You can find uh, information to buy the guide there. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.